Leviticus chapter 2, and we're continuing our Bible study, uh, looking at the different aspects of the tabernacle, and uh, most of the time you say Leviticus to a church, they're just like a sinking feeling in their heart. Oh no, not Leviticus, but no, we're going there tonight, amen, and we're going to learn some stuff, and the Holy Spirit's going to help us tonight, amen. Leviticus chapter 2, and uh, if you find your place, stand with me together for the reverence of the reading of the Word of God. I'll be uh, reading verses 1 through 6, Leviticus chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. And when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it, and put frankincense thereon. And he shall bring it to Aaron's sons and the priests, and he shall take thereout uh, his handful, the flour thereof, and the oil thereof, with all the frankincense thereof. And the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar to be an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And the remnant of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is the thing most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. And if thou bring an oblation of a meat offering, bacon in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil, or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. And if thy oblation be a meat offering, bacon in a pan, it shall be of fine flour unleavened mingled with oil. Thou shalt part it in pieces and pour oil thereon. It is a meat offering. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be here in your house, Lord. Thank you for the gathering of your people. Lord, thank you for singing your praises. Now, God, as we turn our attention to your word, we ask that you speak to us. We ask that you help us, Lord. And we thank you for it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Of course, we're on our Thursday night Bible study, uh, going through the study of the tabernacle. And the reason we're doing that, we're looking at different building projects through the Scripture because we're getting ready to, Lord willing, next year go through a building project. And so we want to look what the Bible has to say about it and, uh, of course, uh, use the principles that we're learning to help us as we go through the same thing. We've been looking at the different um, uh, aspects of the tabernacle, its construction, the different pieces of the tabernacle. Now, last week, we started looking at the different offerings uh, that were offered in the tabernacle. Uh, There's five different ones, and uh, we are just taking a a week on each one and uh, by no means exhausting it but at least looking at it so we can kind of get an understanding of that. Last week we talked about the first offering, and that was the burnt offering. It was the first of the five, and it was, a, of course, a voluntary offering. It was one that was offered of the herds, the flocks, or a fowl. And, of course, it was a blood sacrifice, and we talked all about that. So tonight, uh, when I announce the title of this, I have a feeling we're going to get some pretty loud amens. Am I off on that? I tell you what, I, I, I sound, do I sound good here? Actually, I sound pretty good, I think. It's okay, all right, sorry about that. Sorry, I should have got these batteries changed before we started. I always forget to do that, so no big deal. There you go. All right. Interrupt, uh, forget the man behind the curtain. Ignore him. Ignore the man in the overalls. Amen. So, there you go. Very good. All right. There we go. All right. Uh, so here's the, here's what this offering is called. And uh, I think when I say this, I might get some loud amens. It's called a meat offering. I'm afraid I do better than that, but that's okay. Actually, it doesn't mean what you think it means, okay? Uh, Although today, you would have thought this was the tabernacle, because when you came in the kitchen, there was big eight hunks of meat laying all over the kitchen today, amen? And uh, uh, because we're getting ready to smoke the pork for Sunday, and uh, obviously it wasn't pork going on, okay? Uh, But no, the meat offering is what we're going to talk about tonight. Now, the meat offering, uh, some uh, refer to it as the grain offering. It actually it refers uh, to food, but in this case, it's talking about flour or meal. And uh, sometimes it's also referred to as the meal offering. 
And uh, this offering was brought to the priest, uh, who would burn a handful of it on the brazen altar, and the part that was left was eaten by the priest. Now remember something, folks. God never does anything by accident. He never commands anything by accident or sets a precedence for anything by accident. Our God is a God of order. Everything He does is for a reason and a purpose. And this offering was to mean something. Amen? And it was something the children of Israel were to do to signify some things. And that's what I want to show you tonight. All right? Let me give you a few things about it. Uh, we won't, I won't, again, bog you down with a bunch of information. But I'm going to show you how this is practical to us today. First of all, let me say this about the meat offering is that, number one, it was voluntary. Amen? Now, a couple of these offerings were mandatory, uh, but there, there, some of them were voluntary. This was a voluntary offering. Notice what it says in verse 1. And when... And when any will offer a meat offering. And so it was a willing offering. And by the way, folks, listen to me. I ask you, but when, when as a Christian, and we'll get to this in just a minute in more detail, but when, when, I, when, when I start thinking about what God has done for me, how could you not be thankful? Right. Amen? Now listen, I get it. We can never repay our salvation debt. Amen? Listen, uh, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. We'll never repay our salvation debt. But you know what? Because... All he's done for it. Don't you want to do something for him? Amen. Amen. Don't you want to show some some kind of appreciation to him? And of course, this was part of what was done here. It was a, a way for them to show appreciation to God. Number two, it consisted of, and this is pretty interesting because you read through here in Leviticus chapter two, it tells us details of the different types of the meat or the meal offering. First of all, it could be consisted of fine flour mixed with oil and frankincense. And that's what we see in verses 1 through 3. Or it could consist of cakes made of fine flour mixed with oil and baked in an oven. Verse 4. Or it could also be those uh, 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 fine flour mixed with oil and baked in a pan or in a covered pan. Okay? All these represented different ways it could be prepared to be brought. It also could consist of, in verses 14 and 15, green heads of roasted grain mixed with oil and frankincense. So this was, again, when we say meat offering, no, there was no meat actually when we think of meat, okay, carnivore, okay? None of that. It was a meal, a grain offering that these things were brought for. Now, what was the purpose? Why would God even say to do this, okay? Well, let's look at that for a few minutes, all right? Uh, first of all, we find this. And this is interesting, amen? And there's a reason this is the second offering, not the first offering. By the way, what was the first offering? The burnt offering. By the way, what was it? Blood sacrifice, amen? Yeah. Blood sacrifice. Speak to the fact that when we come to God and interact with God, it must be through the blood. Yeah. Now, it's not through the blood of bulls and goats and turtle doves like it was for them then. Hey, we interact with God. We can have a relationship with Him when we put our faith and trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary for us, amen? But listen, if you're coming to God, you're coming through the blood. Hey, or you ain't coming at all, amen? Remember something. Ain't nobody making deals with they know, well, me and God, we got this deal worked out. Uh, no, you don't. Amen? You either come to God on His turn, or you ain't coming at all. Amen? But notice here, what's interesting is that the grain offering, or the meat offering, followed the burnt offering. Alright? And, and the point of that is this, folks. Listen, before as a Christian your life can please God, you first got to be a Christian. Amen? Hey, the blood's the starting point. Salvation is where it begins at. That's why the Bible says you must be born again. By the way, when you're born, all right, life doesn't end, it's just beginning. Amen? And so it is in the Christian life. Once you're born again, 
Then God begins to set you on this wonderful journey called the Christian life. And by the way, remember uh, the the different uh, steps of that. When you get saved, it's called justification. Amen? And when God looks at your life, He he, he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see my sin. He sees the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Hey, we've been justified. Amen? That's salvation. And then at the end of this thing, whether we check out of here by death or whether we get called out by trumpet, that's the process called glorification. How about y'all? I'm looking forward to that day. Amen. Amen. Yes, man, my goodness. Uh, uh, the crazier this world gets, and, and man, uh, I, that, I, that song that we sing, this world's not my home, I'm just a passing through. Amen. Our conversation, our citizenship is there, not here. That's the process of glorification. But truth be told, folks, those two are instantaneous. Justification, instantaneous when you get saved. Hey, glorification is going to be instantaneous when we leave this earth. But guess what's in between there? And it's not instantaneous. That's this whole long process called sanctification. And that's where we're living, folks. That's every day. You know what? Dying to self, dying to the flesh, walking with God, another day serving God, another day going through the burdens and toils of battle of this life. All through that makes it the process of sanctification. And truth be told, uh, we see a lot of that here signified through these offerings. So the, the meat offering followed the burnt offering. Okay. Next we see that the purpose of this was a, a signification of thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving to God. It was a way for the children of Israel, again, as I mentioned earlier, to reflect back praise to all God had done for them. By the way, think about this for a minute. Okay. Just the fact that they could grow food. Just the fact that they could have grain. They could have these oils that, that came from the olive uh, and all that. Listen, folks, hey, you know where all that came from? That came from God. Amen? Right. Yes. And listen, folks, just the fact that we have anything that we have right. is, is uh, because God's blessings right. upon us. Amen? Listen, He makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust. And God has given uh, this planet for us to enjoy. And He's given us the things on this planet to sustain us. Amen? And that's why it's this thing uh, that people are, are talking about. Oh, save the planet. Save the planet. You know, let me tell you what, that's a religion is what that is. Remember what we just learned in Romans chapter 1? Worshiping the creature more than the Creator. Amen, folks. Listen, God gave us the resource on this planet so we could live. That's why God gave us these things. And I believe we ought to be good stewards of what God's given us. But this garbage, all of a sudden we, we have to start eating bugs now to save the planet. That's a bunch of garbage, folks. Listen, that's an agenda. Right? So listen, be aware of what's going on. And no, you're not you know, uh, harming the planet if you you know eat a hamburger. Amen? There's all this other nonsense going on about that. But listen, God gave us these things. They came from God, and it's a way. It was a way for the children of Israel to reflect praise back to Him. Not only that, it was a recognition of God's bountiful provision. Uh, the fact that they could have a harvest and they could plant, provided for for another year. It was an expression of dedication and again of praise and thanksgiving to God. It acknowledged God as the source of provision of prosperity. And what's interesting is, is when you start looking through the Old Testament, and a lot of times the nation of Israel fell into idolatry. And they started worshiping the false gods of the land. By the way, those false gods of the land, they tried to steal glory from these aspects of what God did for the people. And they had these false gods that they worshipped that supposedly was the God that did this or the God that did that. And what God was trying to let them know, hey, listen, no, none of those false little G gods have ever done anything for you. 
Anything that's been done is what I've done for you because you're my people and I love you and I take care of you. And by, by bringing this offering, it was a source of provision and prosperity. Or, or it acknowledged God as the source of provision and prosperity. Psalm 68, verse 19. Blessed be the Lord. Listen, listen to this verse, church. Who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Hey, did you thank God? Did you take any time today to thank God for the benefits He's given you today? By the way, every single one of us has enjoyed benefits from God today. By the way, can you do this? You enjoyed a benefit from God today. Did you get your creaky bones out of bed today? Amen. Hey, maybe some of them sounded more like like Rice Krispies than others. Amen. Snap, crackle, pop. But hey, you're here tonight. Amen. And not to mention, folks, all the things, if we just took the time to go through and think about and list. By the way, nobody here today missed a meal unless you chose to. Nobody. You don't even think about where your next meal's coming from. Because we're Americans. Listen, folks, God's the one that loadeth us daily with benefits. Remember what Jesus said? He said it in Matthew 6, 11, Luke 11, 3, when he was teaching his disciples how to pray. Part of the, the, that sample prayer of the Lord's Prayer was this. Give us this day our daily bread. Daily dependence upon God is what that's teaching us. Amen? And by the way, you know what? God does take care of us, and He does provide for us, and He's provided our needs for it. And you know what? He needs to see some thanksgiving from His children. By the way, not just this little, you know, uh, a sample verbatim prayer that, oh Lord, bless this food we're about to eat, amen, type stuff. I'm talking about real thanksgiving to God. By the way, Jesus set the precedence for that. Luke 22, 19. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, talking about the Last Supper with his disciples, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. To teach that to our children. Amen. To be thankful to God for what he's done for us. What's interesting is you begin to read through here, though. Uh, it's not just doesn't give some very unique details about this offering, okay? So we talked about what it is. We talked about its purpose. I thought this was interesting. Notice what wasn't to be part of this offering. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. Leviticus 2.11, okay? No meat offering, which ye shall bring to the Lord, shall be made with leaven. For ye shall burn no leaven, notice this, nor any honey, and any offering of the Lord made by fire. Okay? Now, again, you say, well, uh, what's the big deal about that? Listen, folks, again, I told you, everything God does is for reason and purpose. God wanted it done a certain way. I've taught you this before, but come on. What does leaven in the Bible represent, church? Sin. That's correct. Okay? Leaven represents sin. And listen, folks, our God is sinless. We know that. Amen? And so that's why when we take our communion, we do so with unleavened bread, right? Because leaven is yeast, represents sin in the Bible. But notice here also, it talks about honey. You say, well, that's interesting. I've never thought about that before. Well, honey also could ferment. And maybe that was a reason why God said not to put it in there. And uh, maybe there was other factors as well. Uh, but um, if you look at leaven and honey together, both could uh, have fermentation. And if anything could have fermentation, God said... Don't put it in there. Amen? So leave it out. And again, I think that's a representation that in the Christian life, there are sins of omission and sins of commission. There's things God says, listen, I want you to do. Also, God says, there's things I don't want you to do. Amen? And by the way, He's got a right to tell us how to live. He's God. Amen? By the way, if you're a Christian, you belong to Him. The Bible says He bought us. He purchased us with His own blood. You know what? You do what you want to do with your possessions. I do what I want to do with my possessions. 
And you know what? God ought to be able to do what He wants to do with His possessions. If He said His possessions, don't do this, you know what we ought to say? Yes, sir, God, you own us, we'll, we'll obey exactly to the T. Wouldn't it be nice if every Christian had that attitude? But we don't, do it. Oh, well, are you trying to keep me from God? That's not fair. It's my life. All these stupid, wicked, carnal excuses Christians give for simply not obeying God in His Word. Amen? Listen, God has a right to say, omit that from your life, because He's God. And He wanted leaven and honey out of His sacrifice. Now, what was present, okay, besides the obvious, as far as the grain and those types of things? First of all, look at this, verse 13. And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt. Amen. You salt lovers out there, all right? Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering. With all thine offerings thou shalt offer salt. Now that's interesting. God said, look, I want in that meat offering, that food offering, that grain offering, I want salt. That's interesting because if you start, the Bible has a lot to say about salt, by the way. Salt in those day and age was a natural preservative. Remember, they didn't have uh, a whirlpool back then. No GE, no LG, okay, no Samsung. There is no modern-day refrigeration, okay? And so things were preserved by, uh, a lot of times, with salt. And, and salt was an appropriate symbol for the binding, non-degenerating keeping of a covenant. That's why God calls it the salt of the covenant. That's interesting, isn't it? By the way, think about this. Salt is also not destroyed by fire. Another possible symbolic reason for uh, 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 that could be a reason for its inclusion because salt isn't burned up. A covenant, of course, was a binding agreement between two parties, often a lot of times in a political sphere. And a great king sometimes would, would uh, enter a covenant with maybe uh, uh, different uh, minor rulers in a territory, and they would obey him and support him. And, and they re- a lot of times they would do that by what was called a covenant of salt. By the way, this, this relationship between God and his people was, uh, uh, is represented a lot of times in the Bible by a covenant between God and his people. And throughout the uh, Scripture, you find some of these different covenants uh, that God would talk about. Second uh, uh, Chronicles chapter 13, verse 4, uh, is talking about Abijah here, one of the uh, kings of Israel, and uh, uh, talking to Jeroboam. And it says, says this, And Abijah stood upon Mount Zamorim, which is Mount Ephraim, and said, Hear me, thou Jeroboam, and all Israel. Ought ye not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over Israel to David forever? even to him and to his sons by a covenant of salt. But the Bible says, it talks about a binding agreement here, and the salt was to be part of that. And so much to so, God called it a covenant of salt. By the way, it kind of reminds me of uh, something Jesus said about us as Christians, right? Matthew chapter 5. What did he say about us? Ye are the salt of the earth. Right? By the way, I've said this before, I'll say it again, amen? Then the number one use for salt, I believe Jesus was referring to, was that of preservation. Preservation. And let me tell you, folks, I still the reason we as America are still, are still around, we shouldn't be, by the way, we're a wicked, wicked nation. Wicked nation. I mean, uh, you know, just what's being represented uh, by all these uh, 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 public displays of perversion and people accepting it. And people uh, are not just accepting it, but glorifying in it. Amen? And then, of course, the murder of the innocents, and on and on we could go. And those are just uh, a couple of sins, folks. There's way more than those two on the list, I can tell you that. 
Man, America's a wicked nation, folks. But we're still here. Why is that? The only reason I could come up with, church, is because, number one, the way we've set a precedence in the past by treating the nation of Israel, and number two, there still must be enough salt in this country preserving it. Amen? Preserving it. Listen, we will never, ever post, uh, we'll never uh, uh, not to face the judgment of God for what we've done. Amen? We'll never, uh, uh, God will never not judge this nation. He promised He judges sin. He will, but maybe we can postpone it for a little bit. And by being the salt and light God wants for us to be. And so the salt covenant there was part of the meat offering. Notice what else was present in the offering, verses 4 through 6. It says this, and I'll, re I'll read this to you. See if you can pick up on it. I think you will. If thou bring an oblation of meat offering, baking the oven, it shall be eleven cakes of fine flour mingled with oil, or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. If thy oblation be a meat offering, baking in the pan, it shall be a fine flour and leaven mingled with oil. Thou shalt part it in pieces and pour oil thereon to meat offering. Did you, did you see the common uh, a noun that was in through there? The common substance that was part of the offering? Oil. Amen? And all throughout this, this uh, chapter, it talks about oil being part of the sacrifice. Now, uh, I, the great depiction of oil in the Word of God. Amen? I mean, it's the greatest uh, uh, oil the, or, or oil in the Bible. is always a picture of the sweet spirit of God. Amen? And I believe that that's what, a, what that's a picture of. Oil, they're talking about uh, how that even in our lives as Christians, the Holy Spirit ought to be front and prominent. Hey, hey, and in everything we do. By the way, think about this. This offering was presented to the Lord. By the way, what are we as Christians? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, a living sacrifice. So think about it. Amen. If oil was to be part of that sacrifice brought to God, what do you think ought to be part of all of our living sacrifice brought to God? By the way, truth be told, you'll never be what God wants you to be without a good relationship with the Spirit of God. Never going to happen. Amen? I preached to the church the tent revival uh, the other night. And I was preaching about how God does supernatural things. And um, I made this statement. I said this, you know what? As Christians, uh, being involved in the supernatural should not be an abnormal thing. In fact, if we don't, if we don't see supernatural things happen, we're probably not living the life God wants for us to live. You know why, folks? Because God expects His Spirit. Amen? Here's what I told Him up there. I said, I'm going to make somebody real nervous. I believe in ghosts. By the way, I'll go so far as to say I'm a possessed by one. But it ain't dead Aunt Susie or Uncle Charlie. He's got a first name. Amen? His name's Holy. By the way, you read that, Ephesians 5.18. Think about that verse. And be not drunk with wine when it's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Why did God use that as an illustration? What happens when someone gets drunk? You know what that means? They get intoxicated. They get controlled by alcohol, right? It's a substance inside of them that controls them. Why do you think he likened that to the Spirit of God? What do you think is supposed to be in his people that controls us? Amen? It's the Spirit of God. Amen? And listen, you will never, ever, ever be what God wants you to be apart from a good relationship with the Spirit of God. Yep. Now, I use that word relationship on purpose. Because the Bible talks about the different ways we interact with the Spirit of God. Hey, first of all, He's our comforter. Amen? Aren't you Amen. glad for that? But that, that word comforter doesn't just mean, you know, come alongside and help your heavy heart. You look up that word, it comes from the Greek word paraclete. You know what that means? Someone that comes alongside and helps. He's our helper. 
Now, thank goodness, part of that help is giving us comfort. Amen? And I think as a Christian, if you've experienced tragedy and heartache and sorrow, and you've relied upon the Spirit of God, He's comforted your heart. Amen? But hey, that's not all He is. He's a, he's a comforter. How about this, church? He's a convictor. Oh, yeah. By the way, I've said this, and I'm going to keep saying it. Holy Ghost of God ain't afraid of me, and He ain't afraid of you. Right, right, right. You do something wrong, He ain't worried about hurting your feelings. You step out of line from the Word of God, okay? He ain't the fair police. Oh, that's just not fair. Oh, no. Oh, no. Come on now. You experience the conviction of God in your heart. Amen? And we ought to. That's part of His job is to reprove the world of sin. Hey, He's the comforter. He's the convictor. How about this? He's the empowerer. Right? Listen, if you want to live the Christian life, God, you cannot live the Christian life in the power of the flesh. It ain't going to happen. I'm not saying you can't accomplish a few things, but you're never really going to accomplish things that's going to matter for eternity, or you'll never have the lasting power you need if you're not plugged into the power source. What the power source is? Spirit of God. Amen? He's our empower. How about this? Hey, He's our teacher. Listen, folks, I can't figure this book out on my own. Okay, I can't. Listen, this book does not make sense with just worldly knowledge and worldly wisdom. It doesn't make sense with that. That's why the Bible says that the natural man can't receive the things of, uh, of the Spirit of God. Because listen, folks, the natural man doesn't have the Spirit of God in him. So you know what? If you want to learn this book, you've got to have a good relationship with the Spirit of God. And then thank God He's also our sealer. Amen? He seals us until the day of redemption. The Bible talks about He's the earnest. You know what? Come from the same word as earnest money. You buy a house or gonna or someone's gonna buy something from you, a lot of times they'll put that earnest money, which means this. I don't have the full amount yet, but this guarantees you that I'm gonna pay you the full amount. Well, guess what? We ain't got the full amount yet as far as what's waiting on us. That's coming one of these days. And so guess what God said? I'm gonna give you something just as good. I'm gonna give you the earnest of your salvation, the down payment, amen. And that down payment is the Holy Ghost of God living inside of us. I'm gonna tell you. If we're going to offer our lives as a living sacrifice, just as they offered that uh, uh, grain off, that meat offering, that meal offering with oil mingled inside of it, we must have the Holy Spirit of God in our living sacrifice so that we can be what God wants for us to be. All right, let me give you some real quick practical uh, uh, stuff here, okay? The central meaning of the meat offering for us today, I believe this, is the consecration of the fruit of our labor. Just as the Israelites showed their, their, their indebtedness to God by bringing a sample of God's goodness, so we should offer back to God a portion of His blessings to us. Amen? Listen, God blesses us. We ought to then in turn offer some back to Him. Amen? Amen. And I believe as Christians, our lives ought to be, just as this meat offering was, a, a part of that offered back to Him in thanksgiving to what He's done for us. I believe this. I believe as a Christian... God deserves part of our time. Part of our time. I believe He deserves the first part of our day. Amen? The first part of our day. Psalms chapter 5, verse 3. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Psalm 88, 13. But unto thee have I cried, O Lord. In the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Listen, folks, there's something about the morning hours. You ought to start your day with God. He deserves it. Amen. He deserves the first part of your day. Amen? You ought to give it to Him. I believe not only uh, the first part of our day, come on now, the first part of our week. 
Yeah. Let me just remind you, okay? And I know who I'm talking to here. I'm, I should be preaching this on Sunday morning, right? Amen. Right? Now listen to me, folks, okay? One of the basic uh, uh, understandings of the Christian life is that as God's people, we need to be faithful to the house of God. Okay? Yes. Listen to me, folks. Let me just help you something. Sunday is not your day. That's right. Amen. It doesn't belong to you. That's right. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, when John was on that Isle of Patmos by himself, by the way, not another soul on that island. The Bible says this, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. By the way, possessive, Lord's, possessive now, as in it belongs to Him. Let me tell you, God deserves that part of our week. Sunday belongs to God, and we ought to give it to Him. We should never put anything before God on the Lord's day. By the way, if we do, you know what that's called? An idol. That's what it's called. By the way, I'm going to tell you, dangerous ground. I've seen Christians do it, and they paid high prices. Start using things as an excuse why they can't faithfully attend church on Sunday. And by the way, think about it now. You know what God will do? If you start making things an idol before Him, maybe He'll dangerous. Amen? So it belongs to God, and uh, we ought to give Him our, our time. Not only our time, I believe as Christians... God is also deserving of our talents, of our talents. Listen, all of us have some type of, of things, abilities, talents that God has given us, okay? Now, maybe you don't know exactly what yours are yet, all right? Although I think probably you, most of us probably do, okay? And by the way, that's what's so unique about the church is that it's made up of all kinds of different individuals with different talents, different abilities, and imagine what's done when we bring all those together and give them to the Lord. Now listen, God doesn't demand... All of that, okay, a portion of that, okay, whatever it is. Like for example, I know some of our men here are mechanics, and I know some of our men have at times uh, when uh, maybe a missionary or uh, maybe a, uh, a need arose that, you know what, they use their talent of being a mechanic to help out a missionary, to help out a preacher. Didn't charge him, hey, you know what, I can fix it, I'm just going to fix it for you because I believe this is what I believe God wants me to do for you. I believe we, we owe God a portion of our talents, amen? A portion of Listen, the meat offered, God didn't demand 100% of all their crops. He just wanted a portion of it. All right, by the way, it wasn't even a demand. It was a willing thing because they wanted to do it. By the way, again, if God blesses you with a talent, ability, you ought to give some of it back to God. That's why every year, uh, from time to time, there are different projects that uh, me and my boys will be involved in and give back the talents God's blessed us with. We go down to the camp every year to the work week and doing something down there, giving back the talents God's blessed us with, that know how to do certain things, we go back and try to give some back to the Lord. By the way, God deserves that, and we ought to. Then I believe also we ought to give Him our treasure. Amen, our treasure. Our time, our talents, our treasure. By the way, God would have been just and fair if He would have said, I'll tell you what, Christian, I've done so much for you. I'm prepared a mansion for you. I, I, I promise to take care of you. I give you life. I'll tell you what, you give me 90 and live off 10, and I'll make it work for you. If he would have said that, he would have had every right to do it because he's God. And you know what we could have said? Yes, sir, God. Thank you for the life you give me. Lord, I'll give you 90 and you'll make the 10% work. That's not what he did. He said, you know what? I'll tell you what. You keep 90, give me 10, and I'll bless you, and I'll pour the windows of heaven out upon you. I'll rebuke the devourer for you. We can't even get Christians to the basic things of giving 10% of their treasure back to God. By the way, let me just, we're not covering this tonight. We've already done this during stewardship month. But from time to time, the preacher needs to talk about it. Amen? Amen? And I know, hey, listen, I know what church I'm in. Man, you are a giving church. 
Let me tell you what Pastor Ross taught me. Two things always cease to amaze him. Was number one, the goodness of God, and number two, the goodness and generosity of God's people. And you know what? I, we experience that here. Let me tell you, it's unbelievable. And I'm saying this to brag on you, amen, and to brag on the Lord. Okay? had a guest preacher come in today, passing through town, wanted to stop and see the church, never seen the church before, and wanted to see the church, came in. And one of the first things that everybody notices is that wall of missionaries right there. And, and looking at that, and, you know, understanding that, you know, in, in some aspects, technically, I guess, you know, we're still kind of a missions church, if you want to say that, because we're only seven years old. But listen, folks, because of your generosity to get to our missions program, we can keep, we can support missionaries, amen, and get, get uh, uh, the, the funds out to get the gospel around the world. And listen, folks, that's just uh, what uh, we as Christians ought to be doing, because God deserves our treasure, amen, deserves our treasure. So there you go, meat offering relating to what we as God's people ought to be doing and uh, giving ourselves a portion of ourselves and our things back to Him. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much.